So this is resentment and forgiveness part two. I wasn't planning on doing a part two of this message, um, but I got a lot of questions after the last one. Because, and you might remember uh, this the last time that I, that I preached, I was preaching on resentment and forgiveness. And I, um, we prayed at the beginning that the Lord would take the message wherever it needed to go. And it actually went a direction that I wasn't intending that it was going to go. And I went back and I was like, man, that was just real time stuff from the Lord that was very good. The text was being brought to us and applied in a way that I wasn't actually anticipating that day. And looking back, I think it was what we needed to hear that day. But it also meant that a lot of what I was planning on that day, we didn't get to. And because of that, there were some unanswered questions about the text. Um, that we were working with, was, which was John chapter 20. And so I wanted to get back to that, um, explain that, and then also apply some of the stuff about forgiveness that's available for us. That, that message, just a reminder, that was where we were saying, in the eyes of the world, when we are offended, when we are wronged, it puts us in the position where we would feel victimized in the eyes of the world, that we're the victim, we're the ones who's been treated inappropriately. In the eyes of the kingdom of God, we are the powerful ones who now wield forgiveness. The most powerful force in the world is the power for forgiveness. So when I am wronged, it puts me in the position of Christ on a cross where I now have the ability to respond in forgiveness and show something radically different. That's what we talked about last time, the power of forgiveness. And so when he breathes the Holy Spirit into these guys and says, you are being sent on a mission and I give you the power for forgiveness, that now they can walk into a situation where all of them, every single one of those guys who heard that message from Jesus, except for one of them, John, the rest of them, were all going to die a martyr's death. John was going to be dipped in burning oil. Okay, this is a legit suffering these guys were going to go through. And Jesus is breathing on them, say, take the Holy Spirit, here's your mission, forgiveness, go. You know, and they, they had to walk that out, the forgiveness of God toward people and the forgiveness of people toward people. And that was their, their role in that. And they were powerful in that. These guys did not avoid difficulty. They didn't try to get their lives to look better or to feel better. They understood that when the darkness increases, so does the light. And so when I'm oppressed, the gospel's going to shine more. And that was what our last message was about. What we didn't get to is in, if you turn to John chapter 20, um, this is, and again, this is where Jesus says, um, it is the first day after the first day that he's risen from the dead. He showed up with Mary Magdalene um, in the morning and in the evening he shows up to the 11 apostles. Um, Judas isn't there at this point. He's gone. Um, and so there's the 11 apostles and Jesus tells them not to be afraid. They're locked in their door. They're scared of what's out there. He tells them peace be with them. Um, and he's conquered death. Peace be with him. Jesus says again, verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. <clears throat> this is not the only verse where we see Jesus sending the people after uh, the resurrection. So in Matthew 28 uh, and in Luke, in Acts, we see the Great Commission. Jesus sending out the disciples. What does he send the disciples out to do? Is it, we're going to make this interactive a little bit. What are they supposed to do? Preach the gospel, okay? Here's one of the things. Where are they supposed to preach the gospel? Anybody remember? Starting with 
Where, 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 when they go into all the world, where do they start? Jerusalem, which is where they were, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. So like where you live, like in your family, and your, you start, and there's this thing where they're supposed to be preaching the gospel. What else are they supposed to do? Does he say in the Great Commission? Baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune nature of God. We're being restored to his image. And so we have to be baptized. When we come up, we're now in the, being restored into the image of God. And then what else? One other thing. Uh, that's true. Yeah, there is the binding and loosing. Actually, yeah, I stand corrected. There's two more things. And actually, given that, there's a few more things too. Yeah, there's like handling serpents and stuff. <laughs> that's, a, that's another verse. But yeah, the, um, there's a whole level of supernatural manifestation of God's spirit that goes with them um, in that. And binding and loosing is a big part of it, which is related to the forgiveness thing here. But there's one kind of more whole thing. There's, we're preaching the gospel, starting at home and going wide. We're um, baptizing them, and then we're teaching them what? To, anybody know? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, even to the end of the world. These are big ones to hold on to because it's our job in life. So we got to, these are like, if you want to know what our job is in life, like literally job description, you know, when you go to work, if you don't have a job description, it's hard to know what you're supposed to do. When it comes to our life from God, and he says, this is your job description as a Christian, job description, it's a pretty important one to hold on to, okay? So go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then, lo, I am with you as you go, always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so that's the mission. When Jesus is speaking that mission, part of that mission, when we see a bunch of different verses where he's speaking that, and this is one of the verses. And this is the first one that we actually see. This is the initial one where he breathes on them and he says, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So we know that this is, it fits in with the rest of the mission. Because he says right here, I'm sending you. Here's the Holy Spirit, the gift that they know they're going to, well, that we know they're going to get at Pentecost. Jesus is like praying it over them, saying it over them. They're going to get it at Pentecost. And then this is what they're going to be able to do. Here's their power now. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So that's the one that people were afterwards said like, Tim, you didn't really explain that. I'm glad we got where we needed to go for it. But like, what does that mean? Do we have the power to tell God who's forgiven and who's not forgiven? What's that mean? Like, if I forgive someone their sins, their sins are forgiven. If not, those sins are still with, the forgiveness is withheld. What does that mean? So I want to explain that, and then I want to do something else. So we do not, obviously, have the ability to tell God who gets forgiven or not. And the apostles didn't have the ability to do that. But given that this is the mission that the mission is to go and to preach the gospel. The gospel at its very core is the message of forgiveness. That's what it is. The message of forgiveness. How many times did these guys watch as they're walking with Jesus and he goes to some person who was broken or had, who had some ailment and he takes an uh, arm that's all shriveled up and he stretches out the arm and then he says, 
your sins are forgiven. Or like when those guys take the roof off the building and they lower their friend down who's super sick, who, you know, who's, who needs to be healed. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, your sins are forgiven. They didn't lower that guy down through the roof in order to have his sins forgiven. You know what sin is? Let's remember what sin is. Sin is separation from God. Sin is separation from God. So, in the kingdom of God, in the fullness and in the wholeness of God, is there sickness? Is there sickness? When we get to heaven, is there sickness? In the Garden of Eden, is there sickness? All, sin, all sickness is a result of sin. It doesn't mean that because you got a cold today, God's punishing you because you did something wrong. What it does mean is that we wouldn't have a cold in our world if there hadn't been sin in our world. And so when Jesus is reconciling all things to himself and making things new, he has to be forgiving sin and cleansing sin. And that we live in a state of sin. And when I don't think the way God thinks, and when I don't feel the way God feels, then that means that I'm still in a state of sin. It's not just that I'm actively out there hitting people or saying bad things about people or stealing stuff. It means that I'm not 100% in line with God, which means I'm still in a state of sin. Which means that if God's going to restore stuff, there still needs to be forgiveness. And forgiveness is the core of the gospel. It's Jesus forgiving everything that's gone wrong and reconciling all things to himself. That's what forgiveness is. So the very core of the gospel is the message of forgiveness. And what he does is the church is built upon these guys. Jesus trains them up and they, he sees them. When some guy needs to be healed, he starts healing the guy by saying, your sins are forgiven. Okay, I don't remember asking for you to forgive me of my sins. You know, that's how they could respond, but that's not what's happening. What Jesus is saying is, whatever has gone wrong that has led to this moment, let's just cancel all of that. And let's get rid of the junk that leads to this moment. And let's say that's all gone because of the gospel, and now I'm going to start to restore you and bring healing to your life. These guys now are given the power of the gospel. He's going to build the church through them. They've walked with him and they've seen the power not only to physically heal people, but they've seen the power of Jesus to forgive sins. And in that instance, when people were lowered down, when that guy was lowered down through the ceiling, you remember there was people, there was Pharisees, religious leaders who were in the room and it said they were thinking, who is this guy who has the power to forgive sins? And without them ever saying it, Jesus turns and looks at him and he says, I know what you're thinking. And he calls them out and he rebukes them. And he says, but so that you know that the son of man has power to forgive sins, which is easier to forgive sins or to heal someone so that you know that the son of man has the power to forgive sins. I'm going to heal this person and he heals them. And he's like, oh, you thought that was powerful. Right, So now you believe, because that's what you can see with your eyes. But he's like, but I actually have the ability to forgive a sin, to wipe the slate clean, to get rid of all the stuff that led to the problem, not just to put Band-Aids on problems. And this is the gospel. And so now as these guys are going to build the church, they're being sent. And what he's saying is, all the power that was given to me is now being given to you. And you have me living within you, which means this message that everything that's been bad in our lives, everything that's been a mess in our world, you can actually authentically say that by the power of God, it is done, 
It is finished. That thing has no sway over your life anymore. Period. And if you actually will say that to someone, then it's legitimate and it's real. And you can bury something. Or, in the case of those religious leaders that were in the room, if they were not willing to actually submit to Jesus, then there is no forgiveness of sin. And this is the thing. There is forgiveness of sin when we confess our sin. When we speak, when I say, I'm not fully in line with you, God, and I'm not fully trusting you, that's a problem. I want to fully trust you. That's me confessing my state of sin. And if I confess my sin, then he is faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. However, if I sit over in my corner and I say, I don't know why bad things are happening to me and I don't know why this isn't working and I'm trying really hard to be a good person and I'm doing my best, but this isn't working out and then I start to get frustrated in the world around me, well, then my sins aren't actually actively being forgiven. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't die on the cross or that he wouldn't forgive me. It's that I'm not being restored into fellowship with Jesus. I'm not letting myself submit to Jesus. And then for me to say that person's sins are forgiven would be blindness. You know, if, if that would be almost like if um, one of my kids uh, was really, really angry at me and didn't want to be around me. And if I were to say, hey, we're okay. Well, we're not okay because you're not okay with me. Even if I'm okay with you, we're not okay unless you're also okay with me. So let's not pretend that it's okay. And so because of the gospel, all sin is forgiven, can be forgiven, but we actually have to be able to receive Jesus in order to receive the forgiveness of sins. And these guys, as the leaders of the church, it was their job to actually go and proclaim sins are forgiven, but then when, they, when someone comes to repentance, they baptize that person and say, now let go of everything in the past. You are no longer in that state of sin. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you and get ready to go on this journey of what it means for him to cleanse all that stuff out of your life. Okay? So that's what that verse means with one addition, which is this. Um, when we're reconciled to God, that's uh, salvation on one level, but we are saved not just to be reconciled to God, but also to be reconciled to one another. We're called to love the Lord with everything we got and then love our neighbor as ourself. If I, if I say, okay, God doesn't hold anything against me anymore, so I don't feel shame, that's one level of receiving the grace of God. But if I'm still holding something against my brother or sister, then the gospel hasn't become fully active yet. And so I actually have to speak forgiveness to that person or else the gospel still isn't being accessed and that forgiveness still isn't being fully accessed. Does that make sense? And so we're still not living in the fullness of salvation. And so we actually have to be able to look. If, if, I, if, if uh, Mike is, uh, you know, Mike's such a bugger. Mike is so really, really difficult to get along with. Um, and so if Mike and I are having tension, and he might, like, know the gospel and say, I'm saved, you know, Jesus forgave me of my sins. And I might say, I'm saved, Jesus forgive me of my sins. But if there's tension between us, then the gospel's not fully working itself out because the gospel is to restore us not only to our relationship with God, but to our relationship with one another. If we're not forgiving each other, then our sins are not yet forgiven. They still exist. And what that means is sin is separation, either separation from God or separation from one another. If we're separated from one another, then obviously there's still sin there right? There's still separation. 
And so until we actually extend forgiveness, the gospel hasn't been activated. All the powers there, all the abilities there, but we haven't activated it, you know? And so we actually have to speak the forgiveness and release someone in order for it to be activated. Therefore, if you forgive someone, they're forgiven. The power's all there. It's done. It's a matter of whether you do it, you know? You got to believe it and, and, and give it to the Lord. And that's what activates it. Okay. And that's what that verse specifically means, okay? And, and, and that's done. Now, there are three people today who need to be forgiven, okay? And we're going to pray for all three of those people today. And that's what we're going to do with the remainder of our time here, is we're going to pray for three people. Um, the first person that needs to be forgiven is me, or in your case, you. Um, we can just say myself. I need to be forgiven. The gospel is about forgiveness. I don't know if you've ever been financially in the hole, in debt. But if you try to start a new venture, try to do something new, but you already have debt, you're not coming in with a clean slate, that's difficult. I don't know if you've had been hurt in a relationship or had baggage. Maybe you've been wounded by a friend. Maybe you've been in a, a failed marriage and, and you're still carrying some real scars from that. Maybe you have resentment in your life and then you try to step into another relationship. That's complicated, right? It gets more complicated. Um, and when, whenever we have baggage in the past, when we step into this new thing, it becomes more difficult to do that the right way. This, this, this week... Um, I've been waiting for this. I had a contract with this guy who's supposed to come and dig up stumps in my yard, like big stumps. And he's, it has been like uh, seven months. And like every week he's supposed to come and for some reason he has to cancel. It's really time for me to move on to another guy, right? But we were given a gift of new saplings to plant in our yard. Very excited. Thank you. And uh, we were going to plant these, but we really wanted the old stumps up because you know that like once you plant these other ones and we wanted to plant them in the same soil, if you don't get the old stump out, then you don't have fresh soil to plant in and then it becomes more difficult to get the stump out. And for some of us, we still have roots of stuff, junk, old kind of dead stuff, roots in our life that make it more difficult to engage today without the baggage of yesterday. And that's, that's when I look at myself, I need the gospel today. I need it today. That's what that thing we just talked about when we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's like beginning to get my heart again, receiving the gospel. I'm in relationship with God. I don't have to live like I'm at my own an island. I remember um, we had a speaker come uh, for a Netzer gathering uh, about five years ago. And uh, he said, every morning when I get up, I lay in my bed and it takes me about 15 minutes and I lay like this in my bed. And he's like, and I picture myself being crucified with Christ. And he said, but it takes about 15 minutes till I get to the place where I stop thinking about me and I finally just see Jesus. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. That like he takes 15 minutes to just completely let go of who he is. I'm dead and all there is is Jesus. For most of us, we learn who we are by the things we've done right in our life that people have applauded us for and the things that we've done wrong in our life that people have scorned us for. And the sum of our mistakes and the sum of our successes form in my mind who I am. 
You know, I'm the person who people like this feature about me. Oh, you have really nice eyes, or you're really good at this, or I like this part of your, your uh, personality. Well, that's me. And you're not so good at this. And I hate when you do that. And, and that's me. And I like the things about myself that people like. And I don't like the things about myself that people don't like. And, but that's kind of who I am. That's all a lie when it comes to the gospel. Forgiveness says that that's the past. Paul says, everything that I've done right in my life, I count as rubbish. I count as trash when it comes to knowing Christ. Because when I look back and I say, I'm good at that in my life. If I major on that and say, that's who I am, I'm good at this, then I'm going to keep investing into that. And I'm not going to see Jesus. I'm going to be more focused on trying to do more of that. And over here, the things that I've, where I've hurt people or been hurt and all that baggage, I'm still living out of the hole, you know? And I want to redeem that and I want to fix that, but that's about me and it's not focused on Jesus. Some of us today, we need to receive the gospel again. And I don't mean that we weren't forgiven or anything. I just mean that we need to believe that who we are is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. And what it says is this. If you are in Christ, you are a new creature. The old is gone, and behold, the new is here. Who are you today? Who are you today? See, it says, it goes on two verses later. It says, oh, it's up there, isn't it? Look at that. Am I right? Is it two verses? I think it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has come, and the next... This is from God. Yeah, yeah. What's the next verse? Is it there? Can you keep going? Close to, sorry. Second Corinthians 5, 7. If, I got to pull it up here. Second Corinthians 5, it says in verse uh, 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. When you ask, if I were to ask you today, who are you? Who are you? Rob, who are you? Cassie, who are you? Dave, who are you? Shelly, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Think about that for a second with me. Who are you? What does the gospel say about that? What does everyone else say about that? What do I see when I look in the mirror? But then what does God say? What does the gospel say about who I am? Well, I know one thing is it says that everything that's happened before today says nothing about who I am today. Everything that would, whatever, what anyone else has said about me means nothing about who I am today. The only thing that matters is that he who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become, here it is, that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Do you feel like what you are today is the righteousness of God? This is who I am. I am the righteousness of God. When you look in the mirror, you're like, wow, that's the righteousness of God in that mirror. Look at that. That is the righteousness of God. You know, I am God's gift. (laughs) It almost sounds really arrogant, doesn't it? 
Yeah, except for the fact that the only reason it's true is because Jesus bled out on a cross. He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. And when I'm trying to make myself look good in a mirror or when I'm trying to make myself look good with my friends or when I'm trying to make myself look good at work or when I'm trying to make myself look good in my own mind, when I'm trying to fix my past mistakes and when I'm trying to work harder to be better or any of that stuff, I'm living out of a hole, out of a debt that doesn't exist anymore. That's a lie. I'm already the righteousness of God because of Jesus. And faith today is to believe that it's done, it's finished. Not to try to fix anything or change anything, but to rest in a simple fact that when he said it was finished, it is finished. It is finished. I am the righteousness of God. I just got to receive it. I just got to receive it. That's who you are. Listen to this today. You are the righteousness of God. Whatever you've done wrong, whatever you did wrong this morning, whatever you're doing wrong when you're thinking that I'm a bozo right now, (laughs) whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter. It's gone. It's dealt with. You are free in Jesus. You are free in him. You are the righteousness of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're not Pam Havrilla. You're not Leona Yeager. You're not Corey Ermold. You're not Ted Tenney. That's not who you are. You no longer live the life you now live. You live by faith in the Son of God. You are members of the body of Christ. You are children of the living God. You are the righteousness of God. That's who we are. We are righteous in him. Like Seriously, that's where we got to say amen. That's just how that works. Okay. I'm not allowed to move on to the next point until you say amen, because that means I agree. And until you agree about that one, the next one doesn't make sense. So um, we got to agree about it. And uh, we live out of that hole. So uh, whatever it is that we're doing in our day today that's functioning out of that hole, um, we need to receive the forgiveness. Can you stand with me for a second, please? Anyone who needs this prayer, I just, the the prayer is this, that we still have, you just close your eyes with me. Um, We still have shame. Some of us are still dealing with shame, regret, hurt, loss, pain, difficulty, lack of faith, failed expectations, or we're dealing with pride, things we've done right that we know I can lean onto that thing and trust that thing and it keeps me from trusting God. Whatever the stuff is in the past, if you're today struggling to to live out of like what you've known but not live in the full righteousness of God, I just ask that as we go into this prayer right here that I'm going to pray over us, that you would just put your hands out in front of you. Every, and, and so, Jesus, we just ask that today, each one of us, that we would receive your definition of who we are. That the, that the definition that the mirror gives us or the definition that our past gives us, the definition that people give us, God, that we would release it all today and we would receive the forgiveness that we are yours and we are already made whole. And that if we do anything today to self-improve, if we do anything today to try to improve ourselves, that we are working against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our life is not about us. We are not supposed to focus on us. We 
we are not able to improve ourselves. We are dead in our transgressions, lost and without hope, but then we are made new in you and put a white robe on us and we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. That is done. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. There is nothing today that can be done to improve who we are. We are already made righteous in you. Any lie that would come against us, that would cause our life to be about us today instead of about you and about those who need us, God. Take that away from us. We don't need to improve. We are loved. We are healed. We are forgiven. And we are righteous. In the name of Jesus, we declare it today according to the gospel. Amen. Amen. You're forgiven. Have a seat. Second person that needs to be forgiven is the person that hurt me. They need to be forgiven today too. Whoever hurt me, okay? Somebody's hurt me and they need to be forgiven. Yes, last night we went out to Lidditz. Uh, Jen's family was out there and we were having a little uh, 4th of July thing. They had these huge fireworks, but we left before the fireworks because it was going to be too late getting home. So we were on the way home and we're on Route 23 and um, the boys are asleep. Jen's like kind of like, I don't know what she was doing, I forget. And because she's kind of like in her own world and I'm just sitting there driving, you know, and I'm like, uh, trying to stay awake, it's late. And this guy is right on my tail. Like, tight on my tail. It started like between Morgantown and Elverson and all the way, we're like getting close to Coventry now and he's right on my, actually we're in St. Peter's Village, um, right in that area in Warwick there and he is tight on my tail and so finally I just say to Jen, this guy's driving me nuts. And you know, like I confessed in my first, the first one of these that like my anger is a deal for me, you know, and like, and I'm like sitting here and I'm like, this guy's driving me bonkers. So finally I said to Jen, this guy behind me is driving me nuts. And she's like, why? And I'm like, he's right on my tail and he's been there for forever. And she's like, you can pull over. And I was like, that's a great idea. So I, I pull it, but I, it always drove me nuts too because there was a guy right in front of me. It's not like I could even speed up. Like there's a guy right in front of me. So I pull over, the guy whips around me and like, like mad whips around me, you know. I'm like, okay, I pull back up. And then Jen and I now have started conversation. It's quiet in the car. We're alone. Great time for conversation, hanging out. I'm having a hard time hanging out. You know why? Because this guy's up on the bumper of the guy behind him, and I'm obsessed with the fact that this guy's a punk. And I want to turn my high beams on. (laughs) Because justice is mine, and I will repay. (laughs) You know? And I have to be my own protector here, you know? Like, you can't just do that. And now i got to protect that guy in front of me, because now you're riding on him, too. You know? And so that's what's going on inside of me. Well, in the meantime, God has given me a wonderful wife who's in the car with me and great kids who are sleeping, but I can't engage the peace that he's given me in this car. Why? Because I'm still obsessed with holding on to this thing from the past. Real recent past, like 10 seconds ago, you know? And this verse pops into my mind from Isaiah. It says, the punishment that brings us peace was placed on him. This guy deserves to pay for riding my tail with high beams. Because right now he doesn't know, he doesn't care that I'm mad. And I'm going to withhold my right to get back at him for doing something to me. Right? And so he needs to pay. Justice needs to happen. And yet what I'm told the gospel says is that justice was fulfilled. It's finished. Jesus paid for that guy's sin. And it was sin. As trivial as it sounds, that guy was sinning against me. 
He was being impatient and whatever, and he was riding up on me. There's no law about like, well, at least no law in the Bible about how close he can be to me, you know? And so, but he knew it was, it was that he wasn't, his anxiety wasn't being courteous and all of that stuff or whatever. And so I want to like do something back. But what I'm told is that that punishment for that sin was actually taken out on Jesus on the cross. And if I feel the need to enforce justice on him, then by the measure that I judge him, I too will be judged. And that doesn't mean that that forgiveness won't work for me. What it means is, is that when I'm in a mindset that that guy needs to be judged, then I'm also in a mindset that way about myself. You remember the the, uh, parable of the unforgiving servant? who was forgiven an enormous debt, the debt that was never, ever able to be paid. And as soon as he was forgiven the debt, he walks out and he grabs a guy who owes him a few bucks and he starts to choke him out and he says, give me my money. And the master's like, are you kidding me? You're a wicked servant. You're thrown into prison until you can repay your debt. Is he ever going to repay his debt? Why not? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, he couldn't have repaid his debt even if he was out of prison. Two, once you're in prison, you can't do anything in order to earn the money, so it's not going to help. He's never going to be able to repay the debt. But the third and most important thing is that he didn't have a debt. It was already forgiven. And the biggest problem for us as Christians when it comes to living the gospel is that we still haven't fully received it. And until I can receive just how forgiven and loved I am, then I'm still functioning in that place where I got something to prove. I still got to establish myself and I still got to protect myself. And being able to forgive a person who has done something to me doesn't start with me like muscling up and being like, all right, I'm going to forgive you. It starts with saying, I don't need to protect myself. I don't need to think about myself. I don't need to care about myself. I am restored. I am loved. God is up here in this car with me. I'm not alone when that guy passed around me. Jesus is right here with me. And if I'm actually reconciled, my first thing shouldn't be to protect myself. My first thing should be like, Jesus, what are you trying to do right now? And this is what he did. When I asked him that question, this this guy in front of me actually needs the gospel. I don't know if he knows Jesus or not, but I know that right now he's not acting like he knows Jesus. Because if he had Jesus, he'd have the Prince of Peace in his life. And he'd be at rest. And I don't want this guy to be hurt in a car accident. And I don't want the person in front of him to have turmoil. So what's my job if I'm a minister of the gospel? Not only do I receive that God's got my back and he's got the punishment, but I'm also forgiving him, extending forgiveness, and now I'm on mission. And I'm like, this guy needs to be prayed for. And I'm this close to him. And the Spirit of God lives in me. So I can say, Holy Spirit, sick him. Get him. Turn that frown into a smile. Bring peace to his heart. He needs you right now. And i got to be there with him. Because I'm a sinner like him who needs you too. And as much as that guy's feeling stress in his life, bring peace to his life. That kind of thing, being ministers of the gospel, only works when we first receive the forgiveness so we're reconciled to God and his presence is with us. Then we can extend forgiveness and live out forgiveness. There's a third person who needs to be prayed for. I need, I need the gospel. I need forgiveness. The person who hurt me needs forgiveness. And then everyone else needs forgiveness. That's more than one person. That's tricky. 
And what I mean by that is this, is that um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that same verse, the same passage, this is what it says, starting in verse uh, 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. You know what that means? When I look in the mirror, I don't regard myself based on what I see in the mirror. I regard myself based on what God says. And when I struggle to see myself that way, I'm not fully receiving the gospel. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry, listen to this, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So what's our job description? Our job description is that we need to receive the forgiveness, that we need to extend forgiveness, but I got to speak forgiveness. And I don't just mean to the person who's hurt me. I mean that every problem that exists in our world can be forgiven and can be healed. When Jesus heals someone, he heals them first by saying you are forgiven. Every problem, whether it's an identity problem that people don't see themselves right, whether it's a relationship problem where they're not getting along, whether it's a systemic cultural problem, all of them start with us not being in line with God and there being a mess. But our message is a very simple, simple message. Forgiveness. It's done. Don't try to fix what's back there. Don't try to change what's over here. It's done. Just reconcile with God. If you reconcile with God, he'll start to take care of the rest of it. We are ministers of the reconciliation. Our job in life, this is our job. If you are a Christ follower, I want you to hear this today. This is your job. You are an ambassador. Your job is not what you do at work. Your job is not what you do in your home. Your job is not whatever else. Your job is very simple. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Your job in life is to go and help people receive the forgiveness of God. That's your job. That's your job in life, your job description. To be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Last definition and then we're going to pray. The world right now speaks of a word called tolerance. Tolerance means live and let live. You're you. I'm me. This is how you see it. This is how I see it. We got to learn how to get along. That's not a biblical word. There is a word that in one translation is translated as tolerance once in the scripture. In every other translation it's translated as forbearance. Dealing with other brothers and sisters as they're on the journey to sanctification in God. The idea that sin is sin and I don't know what sin is or you don't know what sin is and we're all on our journey, we all have our different things so we just tolerate. That's not the biblical message. The biblical message is this. Not live and let live, but confess and be forgiven. Which means we are all a mess. And when we come broken, there is forgiveness. But the idea is not to stay stuck in our brokenness and be okay with that. The idea is to acknowledge our brokenness and be restored to health and wholeness. 
And we, as the people of God, are now given the ministry of restoration and reconciliation. That's our job. That's our job. Let's pray. Um, so I want to invite us uh, to one last thing here. Um, if you have a marriage that needs reconciliation, where there's tension and it's not fully functioning right now, if you have a friendship that needs reconciliation and you need the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus breathed on them and said they had the power to forgive. So if you have a friendship that needs to be restored, if there's an authority figure in your life who you have resentment toward right now and you need to release that, if you have someone who's under you, you're their boss or, or you're their parent or whatever, and there's resentment and struggle there. If you uh, find yourself still not fully receiving uh, the, the, the ministry of reconciliation and life is still kind of about doing your own thing and you haven't yet gotten to the place where you are an ambassador for Christ. If there's any one of those situations where it's like, I'm still struggling to let go of this or I'm still struggling to embrace this. This is a weird thing, but this is how we're going to end the service. If anyone is, can relate to any of that stuff, I'm just going to ask you to join me up front around this altar table and we're going to have a prayer together. This is how we're going to close our service. So um, come on up if you want to um, uh, join with me in asking God to bring reconciliation to me, to my life, to my marriage, to a friendship, to uh, an authority structure, to a family situation, to uh, those around me who need the, the message of reconciliation. Um, just anyone who wants to do that, come on and join me around. This is what we call the altar table. All right. God, we realize that um, when you shed your blood, it was so that we didn't have to be punished. And when I've hurt my kids or I've hurt my, my wife by a, a quick word or by, by, by thinking about myself instead of thinking of them, there deserves to be um, punishment. But I'm not allowed to carry the shame of that anymore because it's been taken by you. And I'm not allowed to let tomorrow be defined by trying to make up for yesterday's mistakes. And so we need to let it go. Whatever that person did to hurt me, I know that there's injustice in it and it's wrong. And yet it's on you. And so we trust the gospel that you take care of. We don't want to see people through the eyes of the flesh. We want to see them through your eyes. And lastly, God, we know that there's, there's a world around us who needs a message of reconciliation who needs it, God. My life has to be given up in order to give my life toward that work. And so when I go to work, I know that I want to focus on this or I want to do this, but I have been asked by you to be an ambassador of Jesus. So I lay down my life at this altar. I lay down my pain and my hurt at this altar. And I lay down my own past at this altar, God. And we ask that in the name of Jesus, you would take all of it. You would receive all of it. I ask that you would restore 
relationships. You would restore friendships. You would restore families. You would restore marriages. You would, God, empower us to speak the gospel with truth, and you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us, that, God, you, we receive the words of Paul, that he implores us to be reconciled to God and to be ambassadors for you. May the message of forgiveness permeate our lives. In the name of Jesus today, I ask that every prayer here that is prayed, that you would meet us with the gospel in the name of Jesus. Amen.